We're going to look this morning at water baptism by full immersion because of our baptismal service tonight. And as I said, we're going to look at it because usually I would speak on water baptism tonight or the, the meeting off the baptismal service, but we want to do it this morning uh, simply because there's so many coming tonight and I want to preach the gospel tonight, although there will be a baptismal theme with it also. Let's turn to the scriptures. You might say this is a strange scripture, but let's turn to the book of Luke, please. The book of Luke and chapter 2. And we will be looking at many other portions of scripture, so keep your Bible handy. Luke chapter 2, and let your eye run down just for a basis for our reading, verse 21. Luke 2, verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of our purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now we see here this has got nothing to do with baptism. And I read that on purpose because we know that in many, if not all, denominations, whether that be Catholic or Protestant denominations, many of them, not all of them, but many of them sprinkle as a baby, christening as it's known, bringing to the Lord, so we're going to christen. And I grew up uh, a nominal Presbyterian. Um, I was christened as a baby myself, and, but it really didn't do me any good. Now, when we speak about this, the reason I brought this scripture from the chapter 2 is, you see, Jesus is being dedicated unto the Lord. And he's called Jesus at his dedication. So that is still when we christen a name and it doesn't give the idea of water. There's nowhere water is mentioned in this. It was just a dedication to the Lord, although his name already was Jesus. His name was Jesus from eternity. But his name was Jesus from the angel right through. But that's in the, in, in, in the temple dedicating to the Lord. So in the scriptures, infants were circumcised uh, infant males were circumcised on the eighth day but that was to do with the Abrahamic covenant and that was a circumcision of the flesh Paul deals with that that when men or women are saved they're circumcised in the heart spiritual circumcision then and also as I said they were dedicated here as the Lord was but there's no sprinkling of water that is pouring over the head that's been mentioned anywhere on an infant in scripture it's just not there anywhere so whenever we are looking at this, the word baptism, the Greek word is the word baptizo, and it simply means to submerge or to plunge, to submerge or to plunge or to immerse, immerse. So whenever we are looking at this, we're going to look at instances through scripture on baptism and how full submersion is the way to baptize. In John chapter 3 and verse 23, John is baptizing, and it says, And John was also baptizing near Anon, near to Salem, 
Because, listen, there was much water there. There was much water there. In other words, there was so much water, they could go into the water. There was much water. It wasn't a sprinkling of water. They could go into the water. Now, tonight, I'm going to speak on the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're going to obviously bring the gospel out of that. So we'll not look at the Ethiopian eunuch this morning. But the idea of sprinkling and pouring was only really allowed, and this isn't even in Scripture, but it's in history, of church history, but only for people who were sick, maybe dying, who'd get saved. Uh, the choice of sprinkling or immersion wasn't really known in the church as in for people who were able to be baptized in a river or a body of water until Pope Clement V introduced sprinkling or immersion, as it were, for immersion as a matter of indifference. In other words, he says, it doesn't matter if you're immersed, you can get sprinkled. So there was always immersion in the New Testament. Always immersion. Then Pope Clement V comes and says, no, you can sprinkle. It's indifference. It doesn't really matter. And then he brought that out at the Council of Ravenna in 1311 AD. So what we must be careful of is that those denominations, whether it's Roman Catholicism or Protestant denominations, is that we are not moving away from Scripture to be sprinkling after coming from Pope Clement V at the Council of Ravenna in 1311. But rather we're doing the biblical pattern for whether it's Protestant or Catholic who come to saving faith in Christ and baptizing them by full immersion. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. And let's just read a few verses. Let's read verse 3, from verse 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead, also, pardon me, by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. When you're baptized by full immersion. You're, the tank, the water is closing over you. And so when you're, the water's closed over, you're saying to those who are around you, I am dead to self. I am dead. I am representing her. I am coming as one with Christ in his death. Christ has died for me. And I am showing this to self. When we pull you out of the water, you're rising to a newness of life. The newness of life is that you're showing that I want, I'm going on with God. I am going to live for Christ. And that is the, the nutshell essence of your water baptism. So then if you go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. As I said, we're going to look at many scriptures because I want you to see the Bible, not what um, a man, myself, or anyone says, but rather what the Word of God says, that you might know why you're, you're being baptized, but also what the Scripture says about 
full immersion. Colossians chapter 2, please. And just let your eye run down to verse 12. That we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who, who raised him, who hath raised him from the dead. Now notice the word, it's the operation of God. And the word operation of God here is the word energia. And it means the regenerating power, the resurrection power of God. And what you're saying is, I couldn't save myself. I'm totally depraved in my inability to save myself. I'm trusting in Christ and his work on the cross alone. I'm being buried. I'm dying to self, rising to newness of life. I'm going on with God to serve him with all I am. And I'm showing others it's an outward expression of an inward work of God. I'm going to say it again. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward work of God. And if God has saved you, if Christ is your saviour, the Holy Spirit has worked in you, then the inward work is that you want to go the next step further. You want to be in full obedience to the command of Christ to be baptized. You want to go on with him, unashamed of him, and you will be publicly baptized. And you will be buried with baptism in him and raised to resurrection power. Okay, so then, baptism is a dying to self and a raising to newness of life. It's an outward expression of an inward work, and so the assembly will say it tonight when you're baptized. So here's a question. Why get baptized? Why get baptized? First of all, because you are following the Master's example. Because you are following the Master's example. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And let your eye run down to verse 13. John is baptizing in Jordan. Matthew 3 and verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon, lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So you're being baptized, Why? You're following the master's example. Jesus was baptized. Now remember, he's dedicated in Luke 2 in the temple. His dedication has already happened. Now he is being baptized at the age of 30. Two different times, two different occasions, two entirely different things. So Jesus is setting the example. Remember, we're still old covenant here, for the new covenant has not been yet ratified. Remember that. Christ has not yet died and risen again. So he's fulfilling everything of the old covenant. He is dedicated. 
Now he is baptized in water. Notice also something that happens. Every time a believer, a true blood-washed, blood-bought believer, a saved man or woman, boy or girl, every time they are baptized, it is witnessed of the Spirit. It is witnessed of the Spirit. Now, there's something you need to notice And I'm not trying to put you off. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't usually tell people this, but anybody who's been baptized and experienced the wonderful experience of that in the spirit is evident in their life. They'll tell you this. Generally, after baptism, it's a fantastic, fantastic thing to be baptized, going on into God. But generally, after baptism, you're tried. And you're tested. Look at the next chapter, Matthew 4. After he is baptized, after he comes out of the water, after the Spirit descends on him, after the voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son, the Father says, in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, here's the thing I want to let you all know. Christian, while you're baptized already or not, you'll understand this. And whether you're just young in the faith, you're tempted all the time. You're going to be tested in everything you do for God. And it's whether you carry through or not. It's whether you go on or not. See, that's the test of reality. Going on with God. doesn't mean to say you got through it and you laughed and joked and smiled the whole way through it. Doesn't say that you weren't feeling it. It's how you carry on. If maybe you've been saying, I'm going to get baptized, and you've been sorely tested and disappointed maybe this week, I can let you know, and I'm not saying it for any of my benefit, but I can let you know, this has probably been one of the worst weeks I've had in a long, long time. I've been crippled with pain, and I don't know why. I've hardly been able to walk at times, hardly been able to get out of bed. I've been in agony all week. I've had bad stomachs. I've been all sorts of awesome things. And we are talking about it just yesterday. And I says, Alison, I don't know what's going on, but my head is busting. I am real, I can hardly move. I was coming out really on, a, on Wednesday night and Tuesday night to praise and I was in the God's presence and was doing great. It was like it was just hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. What do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? You have to push on. You have to push on, brother. You have to push on, sister. You see, you can say, well, you know, I expect it to be, I'm baptized and the Spirit has witnessed this and so the people have witnessed this and so it's before God and man and isn't it wonderful? And it is. But your disappointment doesn't mean to say God's finished with you. Sometimes disappointments, God is testing you. Does that make sense? Jesus was tested. Listen, it wasn't a week. Like I was feeling five. It wasn't even a week. It was about five days or four or five days. There's times I was near. I could have cried with a pain. I don't know why. I felt like I was being crushed. She says to me, Alison says to me yesterday, Ken, you're under a spiritual attack. I said, I believe it. 
So yes, you may be tested. But here's the thing. He brings you out stronger. He brings you out stronger. How do you know? Well, look at Matthew chapter 4. And I don't want to do a teach. I'll do a teaching on all of this temptation sometime to try and help you. It says in verse 11, The devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Do you know God dispatches angels to help you? And I say this with reverence even to the angelic being. He's given you a spirit. He is with you. So the same spirit who witnessed it, it actually means he drives Jesus. He's compelled to go into the wilderness. And he's there. In fact, another, another, uh, uh, one of the other gospels tells us he was with the wild beasts. Can you imagine that on your own, hungry, 40 days and 40 nights? So you might say, maybe I won't get baptized now. <laughs> you shouldn't have told me that. Aye, but you see, I like to be real. <laughs> I like to be real. And when you move on in God and you trust him, where do you see the blessing that comes? Where do you see the blessing that comes? You're being baptized because you're, why get baptized? You're following the master's example. Why get baptized? Secondly, because you're coming under the master's command. In Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew chapter 28. And actually, as when the Lord was baptized himself, we're told that he comes out of the wilderness into Judea in the power of the Spirit. The same spirit that witnessed and came like a dove is the same spirit of power. He comes and strengthens us. Matthew 28, please. And let your eye roll down. Verse 19. Here's the command. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So this is one of the commands, but people tend to think the next verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, or on to the end of the age. That is until he returns. Then he says, Amen, so be it. So you're, you're, not only, you're not only following the master's example, you're obeying the master's command. He says, go, baptize. So you're being baptized this evening. Thirdly, you're coming under the teaching of the apostles and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You're coming under the teaching of the apostles and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the book of Acts, please. Turn to the book of Acts. Look, this study is by far, it is not... Um, It is not so in-depth that we can't understand it. Neither, you know, it's not a, a, like a concordance. We're going through everything to make sure you get every word. It's just to show you 
what the scriptures of the new covenant tells us on baptism. You're coming under the teaching of the apostles and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached Acts chapter 2. And verse 38, day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, if you're saved, then I have to ask you a question. Did God call you? He called you to the cross. He called you to his son. So if you're saved, then you're the one who the Lord has called. So what is that of the Holy Spirit says, Peter, preach on this day of Pentecost to repent. Repentance is first what? Turning away from our sin and turning on. You've done that. You've repented. You have come to Christ, so you're coming to face God again and be baptized. So you're going to be doing that now. You're under the command to be baptized. Every one of you, is there someone here and you're saved? Now listen, baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't save you. The thief on the cross, when he was dying on the cross and he says, Lord, rememberest thou me when thou comest into the kingdom. And the Lord told me he would be in his kingdom. That, that thief would be in God's kingdom because he had turned to Christ at the very last moment in his dying breath. Even then, that deathbed repentance, as we call it, he would be in his kingdom. But he couldn't be baptized. Now, baptism doesn't save you. I went to a Catholic man one time, a Roman Catholic. And I was visiting him for some time. And his wife, his wife had been saved. She was a saved woman. And he was a, 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 a known Roman Catholic man. He was a lovely person. And he took ill and I sat with him. And I sat with him many times and talked to him. And I talked to him about the Savior. He didn't really want to know, but thinking I'm a Catholic. I'm a Roman Catholic. I've been confirmed. Even those Protestant denominations do the confirming too. I'm confirmed. And he was confirmed into a denomination. I know a man who was confirmed into the Church of Ireland. And you, you can be confirmed into a church. You can be on a church road. I was on, our name was on the Presbyterian church road. But we were nominal. We weren't even saved. We weren't Christians. We hardly even went. And the thing is, this man, he was confirmed. And he says, I don't need. I'm a Catholic. And after time, he took ill and he got worse and one time uh, he sent for me. And I says, well, Paddy, what's wrong with you? And he says to me, I'm a bad man. And this man could hardly speak. He was struggling. He was sitting in his chair looking out his window all the time. I'm a bad man. I says, well, Paddy, you're not a bad man. I says, well, we're all sinners, but you're not a bad man. He says, I can't live like this any longer. So I'm thinking, is it his illness or what is he speaking of? So I says, live like what? And he says, without Jesus. So I led them on to Christ. But before I did, I got the scriptures out and started reading to him about 
salvation. And I says, you know, Paddy, I know obviously your Catholic background and, you know, work psalms or deeds or whatever, all these sort of things. I says, Paddy, you realize you must be saved by grace through faith. It's not, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any of us should boast. And, and he just sat listening to me. I says, and Paddy, look, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to, to disturb you, but you can't get out. And he was looking out the window and wrapped those doors and you can't go about and you can't sit even, his hands wouldn't work anymore. He says, you can't even count beads and you can't do that anymore. You must receive Christ by faith. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, I know. <laughs> That's why he said, I know. You've, I've listened to you for long enough. <laughs> and I says, Good. And I led him to Christ sitting in his chair. And all his family were coming in. And he said to his sons and his daughters, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. They couldn't come into the house. You need to get saved. And I buried that man within weeks. He took another massive stroke. So baptism, he couldn't get baptized. Baptism doesn't save. It's a command from the Lord to go on. There are people who say you're not saved unless you're baptized in water. And I, I do not believe the scriptures teach that. But I do believe we should obey the Lord and the command. So you're being baptized because of the revelation that came to the apostles. Now let's look at some places where baptism has happened. Go with me while we're in the book of Acts. I'm just trying to take you through so we're not going too far back and forward. Go to the book of Acts chapter 8, please. Book of Acts chapter 8. Let's just go to verse 12. While you're looking at that, I'll get a drink. In fact, you know what? We'll do that tonight. That's where I'm on. I'm going to be preaching there tonight, so we'll skip that for time's sake. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> just let your eye run down to verse 18 Saul who persecuted the early church Saul who persecuted the early church he is arrested as it were on the road to Damascus with, by the Lord Jesus a light shines, voice speaks to him and who art thou Lord he says I am Jesus whom thou persecutest he's taken to straight street and a man called Ananias who's a believer is sent to him and Paul, the apostle, gets baptized. Okay, so Acts chapter 9, verse 19. Pardon me, verse 18. It says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. So the apostle Paul was baptized. And so since... He's coming from a religious background. He's coming from a, a Judaistic background. And he's a persecutor of the church. Now he's saved and the Lord says, now he needs baptized. What is he doing? He's coming away saying, I'm not trusting in old religion, but rather I'm trusting in the newness of life in Christ. And he's, he's being marked out that he is a Christian. He's a believer. So then if you... Uh, we'll just mark it down. If you want another reference for that, you can go to Acts chapter 22. And Paul rehearses that in Acts 22. Then we speak of Peter. 
Why get baptized, number four? So number one is, it's the master's, you're following the master's example. Number two is, you're, you're obeying the master's command. Number three, you're coming under the teaching of the apostles and the revelation of the spirit. They're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then, fourthly, you're being, opening your life to the Holy Spirit. You're opening your life to the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 10. Peter's on the rooftop and he sees a sheet let down with unclean animals on it. And the Lord's voice comes and says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten that which is unclean. It goes up, up and down three times. Three times. Now, this is not what I'm going to teach on, but let me just do a little bit by the way here. People say, well, there the Lord cleansed every animal you can eat it. That's not what it means whatsoever. That is a wrong interpretation of the scripture. If you read on into the scriptures, you'll find that Peter, he turns and says that he was wondering, what is this vision of the sheet let down three times from heaven and unclean animals on? For I don't eat unclean. It comes from a Jewish background. I don't eat unclean animals. And the Lord says, that what the Lord has cleansed, call not thy uncommon. So people say, well, you know, you can eat everything there because the Lord said that. That is not what this means here. Because then Peter rehearses this and he talks about three Gentiles sent by a Roman centurion who comes to his door. So then he goes and he preaches there. So what, was, what it was was that the, the, the Jews of, of Peter's day would have nothing to do with the Roman centurion. Would have nothing to do with him. Have nothing to do with these three men. And the Lord was warning him, there's three of them coming. The sheep was let down three times. He says, and what I've cleansed, call not thou uncommon. So when he goes, he preaches the gospel to those who weren't of Judea or from the Jews. Read it yourself. I haven't time. I'll teach you sometime on it. I'll teach you something sometime. Okay, so Peter, Acts chapter 10. And let's go to verse 44. So he's been preaching, and now look, he says, And while, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what the interpretation of the dream is, by the way. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we have? Then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So can you see that now? They're being baptized in the name of the Lord. What he's doing now, he's saying, look, here's the water. It's not sprinkling. These are believers. It's called believer's baptism. Okay, let's go quickly for time has flown on. Let's go quickly to Acts chapter 11. Here's Peter, and he's rehearsing in the ears of those of his brethren in Judea and Jerusalem about what has happened now with these men and women, these people. And if you read that, he'll tell you he was uh, about this vision too. Verse 16 says, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand 
God. So here he's saying the actual dream wasn't about the food or the animals, but about the baptism of water and the Spirit. Okay? Now let's go on again. Ephesus, or pardon me, <laughs> Acts chapter 19, and we go to Ephesus this time. That's what I was trying to say. I'm just conscious of the time. I want to try and get you away. For I want you to be back early tonight so as we can get everything set and ready to go. Acts chapter 19. And let your eye run down. The verse 5 says, And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, next week, I'm deciding next week, uh, people have been asking me about it. In fact, people from another place of worship too have been asking me about it. I'm going to do a series on the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit on the Sunday morning so you can be well informed on these things. Uh, so we'll start that next week. But notice in this, you know, it says here that they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. Now, they're all of one language here. So the tongue is not language, although it may be at times. Other languages are understood. That can happen. That has happened. But here they also prophesied. So it's a spiritual language. It's not an, an intelligible language. And they prophesied. We'll look at that another time too. Okay, so let me see. Why get baptized? You're following the Master's example. Secondly, you're obeying the Master's command. Thirdly, you're coming under the revealed teaching and authority of the, of the apostles by the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, you're opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit for him to fill you and baptize you. And, of course, fifthly, you are identifying yourself with Christ and testifying to the world of an inward work and the desire to follow on with Christ. Now, when we look at that then, when you get baptized tonight, when you get baptized, we're going to be putting you under the water. What will happen is we will just be quickly, I know some are nervous with water, you'll be allowed to even hold your nose, and we'll baptize you under, the waters will close, and you'll rise up. Come with a prepared heart. Try not to race out of the house and get at the last minute. Come with a prepared heart. You want to come prepared, dressed for the baptism already, see if you're getting changed and then changed again, that's okay. Bring your gear in the bag and we'll put it in the room, Alice, and I'll sort out the rooms for you and, and you'll be directed by others. But come with a prepared heart and say, Lord, whatever this brings tonight, tonight, I'm coming to show these people I want to go on with you. It's like when a couple are married before God and their congregation. You're saying, I am in public, I am identifying myself with Christ. I'm identifying myself with Christ. Now that's, that, that is a, a brief overview of what has happened uh, through Scripture. And I think you can see, if you look up your own concordance at home or go online and, and, and see Mr. Google, I'm sure he won't tell you because you'll try it. Where is uh, infant sprinkling in the Scriptures? You'll find it's nowhere to be found. It's nowhere to be found. I know people say that in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul speaks about, no, you're not at all our fathers, or baptized under, the Mo under Moses and went 
uh, under the cloud and through the sea. See, and they say that all men, women, and children were counted as his, all baptized at once. And that is a type, and that is true. That is a type, and that is true. One, not only is that old covenant, but two, here's what you must understand and what they, I don't know whether they understand it or not, for there's many intelligent people who, who, who know scriptures more than I do. But what they must understand is this. That, that brought them from there to the wilderness. But everyone who came out, out of everyone that came out, they didn't all make the promised land. They didn't all make the promised land. So, unfortunately, there are people who think, I'm saved, I was christened. Scriptures do not tell you that, friend. And if you have been christened, as they call it, sprinkled as a baby, and you're not baptized, then you need to be baptized if you are a born-again Christian. 